Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to the first of the game podcast Euro 2012 specials. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and I'm talking to you from Warsaw in Poland. Over the next three weeks, my team and I will be bringing you previews, analysis, reaction from all the key moments in Poland and Ukraine. It'll be a bit like what we do during the season, only slightly different, shorter, but more frequent. Joining me today for some first thoughts are Ollie Kay and Matt Dickinson, in a bit, we'll be discussing England's injury hit prospects. But first, let's talk a little bit about first impressions. And let's start with you, Dicko, because first impressions really are first impressions since um, you only landed, I think, a few hours ago. Is that right? Uh, that is right. To overcast skies, as, as my colleague Ollie just tweeted, you know, it's, um, uh, we were expecting loads of heat. And then obviously those play- English players will be relieved to see... Um, grey skies and, and quite drab English weather because obviously um, it helped us so much in South Africa to be playing in these sort of conditions. Now Ali, can you tell me where, where, where you guys are? Yeah, we are, we're based in Krakow which is, uh, which is unfortunately nowhere near, nowhere near where England are playing. England decided uh, back in the autumn that they, they wanted to base themselves in the lovely town of Krakow and it really is lovely but um, the slight problem with this is that uh, England then got put in Group D which means that their games are in Kiev and Donetsk, uh, a two-hour flight away. So um, there you go. Lots of travelling backwards and forwards for the team and, uh, more importantly, the journalists. Now, I'm, uh, I, on the other hand, am in, uh, am in Warsaw, which um, I actually lived here years ago when I was sort of five years old, so I remember exactly nothing about it. Um, and I have to say, I, I, I've been here uh, about 36 hours and... Uh, it's it's been fantastic. It's very easy to get around. We've been to the stadium. It's it's fantastic. Um, everything seems to be within a five minute drive or a fifteen minute tram ride. It's sort of like uh, Zurich, but with uh, fewer heroin addicts. Um, but uh, let's get to this because it's it's. I mean, you often have this issue when 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 uh, um, you have co-hosts. But of the sixteen nations in the Euro. Um, just three are basing themselves in the Ukraine. One of them, of course, being Ukraine, because I guess they didn't really have a choice. And Dicko, between that and and some of the stories we heard about sort of, uh, you know, the lack of hotel rooms in in Donetsk, the lack of infrastructure, that the lack of tickets sold, I heard this amazing statistic that um, England, you know, normally uh, one of the best supported teams in major tournaments, 
they'd only sold a, a few thousand uh, tickets for their game against France, um, as well as the fact that I, I was told that there's tickets still available for the final, which is going to be in, in Kiev on July 1st. Um, is the is this going to are we going to be okay, especially the Ukrainian half? Well, I think I mean I think the top tickets left are mostly our top end. I see there was a the UEFA saying that there's something like you know less than one percent of tickets still available. Um, so you know hopefully, hopefully there aren't going to be too many um, empty seats, if any. But the the England figure is certainly striking. I mean we'd normally expect, as you say, I mean for twenty to a tournament in Europe, twenty thousand plus to be coming. But the feedback I've had is just simply the expense of the. The trip that with the hotels um, and the airfare. I mean, I looked at bringing my family out for a weekend, and it, it the airfares were just out, outrageous. And um, so I think that's you know in these difficult austere times, um, it's the cost of it above all. I mean, obviously the fact that England aren't playing like dazzling world beaters is a small factor, but it hasn't stopped fans turning up in their droves before. Um, I think it is the cost, and I think you know it's. I think Platini himself calls them. Um, Ukraine hoteliers bandits um, and uh, yeah there's uh, you know they, they've they've priced a lot of English fans out of the market for sure well Ollie, it's not just um, it's not just English fans I, I know that as a few weeks ago um, for the uh, for the England France game the French FA uh, had sold a grand total of 41 that's right 41 uh, uh, tickets to uh, uh, via the normal channels of the French fans Um now, before we go and we blame Platini, blah, 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 uh, he obviously didn't choose this venue. In fact, I think it's pretty much an open secret that um, he was backing somebody else uh, to, uh, to organize this World Cup. I was rather surprised when uh, Poland and Ukraine, uh, sorry, this Euros, I should say. He was rather surprised when Poland and Ukraine won it. But it, it, you kind of get the sense that Poland have their act together and Ukraine don't. Um, should UEFA... Uh, going forward, should they impose more guarantees, more restrictions? Is, should, should they sort of wield their 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 big bat uh, more heavily, or or do they are they really kind of at the mercy of organizers once a once a tournament gets assigned? Well, they, they, I mean, they, the choice of tournament hosts in, in recent years has, has become increasingly sort of peculiar, and it's become. Um, I mean, Poland and Ukraine. I mean, there is there are there are very compelling reasons to hold it hold a, a, a tournament in, in Eastern Europe. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But but Poland and, and Ukraine. It seems like Poland Poland already and, and, and Ukraine seem to be having various issues with you know with sort of I guess some of them are social social issues and hooliganism issues uh, which which have persisted in Ukraine for a long time. And these are the kind of things that. UEFA have effectively exposed themselves to, and and, and then there's the, the the issue with the with the tourism and the, the the flight prices and the hotel prices. I mean, it, it's it just seems to be such a familiar problem that that, that football fans face, and um, I mean, it's it's a problem that media organisations face if they're you know keeping people out there for a long time, and it, 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 it's absolutely extortionate, and there should be something done by. Um, UEFA to to stop this happening when they they are in a position to to, to impose uh, certain 
demands and certain restrictions on uh, on host cities and, and host countries for, for these tournaments. And I think maximum hotel prices should be uh, should certainly be a consideration because, there, for one thing, in, in Donetsk there are very few hotels which they were meant to be, and um, the ones that there are tend to be very expensive. And it's I mean that that I think is, is one of the real reasons why. Um, so few fans are coming out. I mean, they, some of them can get flights and, and can afford the flights, but it's the hotels. That, that seems to be a real problem, and I, I feel sorry for those fans who, uh, who well, not not those who are missing out, but the ones who feel that they're missing out, who, who are desperate to be here and uh, and can't be. Yeah, that that's certainly been the experience of some of the England fans I've spoken to. But um, you, you mentioned the hooliganism thing there, and I, I have to say it's. Um, I mean, I reading the media from from different countries. This has been mostly um, an issue that I've seen played out in the in, in the British media, and specifically on the back of that um, that that panorama uh, documentary. Um, we talked about racism and and had the upshot of Saul Campbell uh, inviting um, England England fans uh, from uh, who, who might be Asian or black to uh, to stay home. And, and watch it on, on the telly, uh, presumably, where they can then hear uh, Alan Hansen talk about how three teams from the same group are all going to qualify for the uh, semifinals. But um, I, I, was just, I was just wanting to get your thoughts on this because it strikes me that there's always this huge fear of hooliganism. I mean, if you remember before the, the, the 2006 World Cup in Germany, it was going to be sort of all these uh, Polish hooligans hooking up with German neo-Nazis and funny, fighting, running battles on the streets with, with English hooligans, and it had all been organized before on, you know, via social media and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then nothing actually happened in, in Germany. And, and I certainly get the sense that... Um, with a few exceptions, a lot of the sort of organized hooliganism in uh, um, Poland and Ukraine has got nothing to do with the national team. is generally linked to the to the clubs. And um, do you guys see it as as any kind of real threat? I mean, are are sort of Polish hooligan hooligans going to buy a ticket to the Italy Croatia game to go and and, and crack skulls? It never. I mean, it never pays to be complacent on on this issue. But I, I, I'm not. I'm not fearful of it at all. Um, uh, so, and I, you're right. I think uh, you know the, the Panorama program was, you know, p- painted a pretty um, ugly and, and frightening picture. But I don't, as you say, I don't see that directly relates to the national team. I, I, I'd, I'd say you know, it would all be shocked and, and, and horrified if there was hooliganism. But I, I don't feel we're on sort of any kind of sort of as journalists, we're not on any kind of sort of battle stations to and prepare to, to write about it. Well, hey, well, what about? Um the the race angle i mean you have a former england captain Saul campbell i mean my personal take you, you know you 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 take Saul campbell you, you lock him in a room you uh you show him pictures um you know pretty pretty horrible pictures including the the weirdo in the woods with like the um with, with like the wooden knife saying look you know we're we're some secret paramilitary squad come to kill all people who aren't white and are on lands and it kind of struck me as like if you get a camera rolling and you get a bunch of anonymous idiots in the uh, out in the woods somewhere, um, they'll go and do whatever just to be on TV. Um, am I uh, am I being a little bit dismissive here in uh, in in talking about the uh, program in such a you know or, or talking of the program as as basically sensationalist and almost like 
struck me that if Sol Campbell had said, yes, well, you know, racism is horrible, we all have to do our bet, uh, bit against it, but, um, you know, the Euros are also an opportunity for to educate these people and whatever else, I kind of feel like he probably wouldn't have got on into the program. A am I being unfair? I think that's right. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, as, as, as we all know, that interviews on, often get sort of condensed down to a 30-second sound, soundbite or a 60-second soundbite, and... Uh, yeah, I'm sure some of my answers on here, on here sometimes you have to look very hard for the interesting bit. But the um, with the racism issue in, in Ukraine, what what um, disturbed me in terms of the, the, the potential repercussions for this tournament um, on the Panorama programme was the um, the footage shown in the stadium. I think it was the stadium in, in, in Donetsk um, where, where the, uh, there were some Asian fans there and they simply got set upon by... Uh, by a group of fans and, and sort of other fans sort of sat there watching as if it, as if it was entirely normal and that, that that really did concern me and I know the footage might be alarmist it might have, they might have had to go to five or ten or who knows how, how many games uh, in order to find that footage or it might have happened at the first one they went to but I, I, I think that is very concerning there are going to be um, there are going to be people uh, from ethnic minorities um, travelling to this tournament, whether whether it's journalists or as fans or or as players' families or, or whatever, and it's it's that that's a concern. And then we go to the the issue of you know are, are people going to be racially abused uh, within the stadium, as in players going to be racially abused? And I really hope it's not. You know, I really hope that's not the case. It's we should be. You know, that, that, that kind of thing should never have happened. But Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's 2012. I know not every country is, uh, you know, not not all countries advance at the same rate in terms of these issues. But it's, um, you know, there is no place for that kind of thing at a tournament in, in 2012. All right. Well, let's let's move on now to uh, to England. I, it's obviously been a, a quiet week. Uh, no real controversy after uh, Gary Cahill had to pull out, and he was replaced by the uh, very experienced and universally loved Martin Kelly. Now, obviously. Uh, we had a bit a bit of an issue there. Cahill went out. Um, a lot of people were were, were surprised that uh, he didn't choose to call up Rio. What got me was the argument was made for football reasons, and at least from where I sit, um, Rio Ferdinand played more at centre half than uh, Martin Kelly has. Uh, Rio Ferdinand is far more experienced than Martin Kelly. Rio Ferdinand, in the last sort of three four months of the season, I thought played played very well, um, certainly better than he had been playing in, in central defence for, uh, for for Manchester United. 
Um, I struggle to buy the football reasons. Uh, uh, Ollie, let's start with you. Do, do you do you think that there's a strong football argument to be made that Martin Kelly is a better choice than Rio Ferdinand? Uh, I, I think there are certain football reasons why you would why you would think against selecting um, Rio Ferdinand, given his age, given the, the injury record, etc., given that England, you know, given if he wasn't going to start, which I'm sure uh, in an ideal world he, he, he would be, um, he would be starting with uh, with John Terry. Um, you know, be, if he wasn't going to start, and if Hodgson didn't fancy him as a player, then then maybe it wouldn't make sense to bring him in as, as fourth choice central defender. But I think above all, the football reason is that. Um, Roy Hodgson doesn't want the harmony of the squad diluted or poisoned by um, by having Ferdinand and Terry in the same squad, and that is uh, a very difficult situation. And it's uh, but that, that's not a football reason. I would agree that that is a football reason, but, it, but to, to say it, it's football reasons is um, is avoiding the issue. And um, I think to some extent I, I can understand why Hodgson is restricting himself to saying it's for football reasons but it's, it, it does it has led to this sort of uh, furore around it which um, is, is rather unfortunate Dicko I, I, I think sometimes we forget that um, the England coach has a right to call whoever they like I, I mean they, they could call you to play centre half if they wanted to um, because ultimately it's their rear end on the line and they should have pretty much total autonomy here. Although, of course, um, I think the last England manager didn't quite have total autonomy in that sense. But um, that said, does does Roy Hodgson owe it to, um, one, explaining his choices to, to England fans and so on, to come clear and, and say, well, there's not just football reasons, but it's not just that I think Martin Kelly can contribute more to the squad. There's also the fact that I think that there's a harmony issue between Rio Ferdinand and John Terry, given that John Terry will face trial in July for allegedly racially abusing Rio Ferdinand's um, brother, and I don't want to take any chances with that. I mean, would it have been so bad if he had come out and said that? Well, I think it would have been opening a whole new area of debate that if I were him and I was England manager and I was EFA, I wouldn't want to open up. Um, because then it's say you start turning it into a, 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 I mean, for us, fascinating moral decision about, you know, is it right to take the alleged perpetrator um, uh, of a crime or, or over um, the brother of the alleged victim? So, uh, you know, that's not, I say, a great debate for the media, but not one that an England manager wants to be involved in going into a tournament. So instead, you just pretend it's not there? Well, he, I, my take on it is that he told, you know, he told the truth when he said that he was picking uh, Terry above Fernand for football reasons. It just wasn't the whole truth. Um, so, you know, he hasn't lied, but, um, you know, they tried to duck an argument uh, and it's come back to bite them on the backside a bit because obviously that, you know, his credibility on that is is being strained um, uh, but the thing is you know this is why I come back to the, uh, the argument that you know I've been saying since whenever it was October November and um, certain of my colleagues are sort of you know from other papers are only just sort of saying it now you know we all journalists love hindsight and I've been guilty of it in the past but this is why Terry should have been pulled out of England um, you know a selection um as soon as this became a serious police investigation because you were always going to be a hostage to fortune that the that the squad was being compromised the selection of the squad was being compromised or was being seen to be compromised and you can argue that both 
are pretty uh, damaging positions for the FA to find themselves in. Ollie, what I don't get is that every indication I've had, now I I haven't spoken to Rio Ferdinand, but you know I think he's, he's relatively open and we both have colleagues who, who have spoken directly to him and for all I know you might have, um, is that he was more than happy to put whatever differences aside um, that with, with, with John Terry um, and that, you know, he wanted to play in this tournament, he wanted to contribute and we've had situations before. I recall Manchester United winning a treble uh, with, with two strikers and Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham who weren't speaking to each other. Um, are we somehow under underestimating the ability and intelligence and, and flexibility of Rio Ferdinand uh, to assume that, well, he can't be on the same team as John Terry and we have to pick one or another, that they couldn't put whatever issues they may or may not have, and of course we haven't had the trial yet, that they, haven't been able to, they wouldn't be able to put those issues aside for, for, for the duration of the tournament? From what I'm told, the, the, the two of them would have been prepared to be in the, in, in the squad with each other, but, but the way that um, the things that have come out of both camps, because we all know footballers have camps these days, um, was that it would have been very uncomfortable and, and that it probably would have been one or the other uh, and it would have had to be one or the other. And I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's sensible in, in many ways that, that they're both not here because um, there was no evidence uh, and certainly the England manager wasn't appointed early enough to, to tackle this issue and, and resolve it satisfactorily, get some kind of resolution before naming a squad. So I, I, think, it, I think it was going to be extremely difficult to... To, um, I mean, it's, it's not a sort of Sheringham Cole issue of they don't like each other. It, it's it's a it's a, an issue which is you know it's a problem which has arisen between the two over what is possibly the most emotive and sensitive issue of all, which you, which is race and um, and you know, the alleged racial abuse of, of a family member. It, it's not just some kind of um, little thing of he doesn't like him or you know. He, uh, he goes out with so-and-so's ex-girlfriend. Well, that, that, that's fine, yeah. but I mean, Rio Ferdinand, but, but Ollie, Rio is an adult, right? He, he Presumably he's known John Terry for, for years. If he's comfortable playing for England alongside John Terry, and John Terry, from what we know, is comfortable playing alongside Rio Ferdinand, what, what kind of bugs me is that, you know, there's sort of a, a nanny FA that says, oh, no, well, we can't possibly have both children in the same room at the same time because it'll create disharmony. I mean, that's what rankles. Rio can say he's comfortable with it, and Terry can say he's comfortable with it, and they, if you ask them, they're going to both say that they're comfortable with it because Rio knows that Terry is ahead of him in the pecking order. But saying he's comfortable with it doesn't mean to say it's the right management decision to take both. And given the, you know, unsad, you know <laughs> sadly from the sort of Hodgson's and the FA's point of view, um, sort of PR scrutiny, the press scrutiny, the circus that generates, it has to be factored in and it would have been hugely distracting, which is why, you know, despite all the sort of furore of the last few days, one thing you could guarantee was that Rio was not going to be brought back into the squad because it would have potentially opened up this whole new debate um, and you know, the, 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 the football benefits could not, were very unlikely to outweigh the potential disruption. So there's also an issue where you know, it's not just the two players. I think once the two of them are in the same camp, unless the whole thing is, you know, unless they suddenly get on famously, it's almost, you know, it does create a division. 
within the camp. It creates divisions within the squad, and we all know people who decided with one or, or sided with the other. It's, it, I, I don't think if they were both if they were both here, having not resolved their differences, um, I don't think it would have just affected the two of them. I think it would have affected the harmony of the whole squad. Right. Um, well, after all that negativity, um, we've been asked to end on a positive note. And by the way, we didn't even get to discuss why, why Mika Richards isn't being considered. Um, and no, I think if they'd asked him nicely, he would have reconsidered his position and would have gladly gone to the to the Euros. But anyway, in his first round of games, there's Germany, Portugal, there's Italy, Spain, there, there's England, France. Uh, Dicko, a lot of blockbusters early on, in, in, in my opinion. Um, what are some of the things you're looking forward to? Well, that, it's a, what a fantastic start to the tournament it is. Um, as you say, big games, which is why the Euros, in their current format, um, have the potential to be the best tournaments, football tournaments out there, better than, um, certainly more compelling, more quickly than, than World Cups. Um, which is why Platini is an idiot for um, changing the format. But I'm not allowed. To, I'm not going to be negative. I'm going to say that this tournament, I, I think, has potential to be excellent. Um, I think there's, you know, Spain's um, search for uh, a historic three big tournaments and um, championships in a row. Um, the Dutch, the Germans, plenty to see. Uh, the potential dark horses of the French. Um, even though England are going to thrash them 17-0 uh, on Monday with Andy Carroll scoring 12. Ollie, um, your thoughts on this, and please try to uh, rescue us from uh, um, uh, from, from, from Dicko's uh, glue-sniffed-induced glue prediction of the England-France game. Yeah, well, the, 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 I mean, Group B and Group C are the ones which which have got you know a lot of very exciting um, exciting games: Holland, Denmark, Germany, Portugal in Group B this weekend, Spain, Italy, Ireland, Croatia um, in Group C on on uh, on Sunday, and then it's into France, England on Monday. And if that sounds like I'm uh, glossing over Group A, where we've got uh, Poland, which is because. I think maybe there's more sort of star quality in the, in the other groups, but I, I, I think it's going to be a great tournament. I think it's, um, you know, I, I think England might be a, a tough watch at times, but um, yeah, hopefully they can get through the group and and go on a roll. But yeah, I don't necessarily buy this argument that the Euros is a better tournament than the World Cup, or that it's tougher to win it, as uh, as Wesley Snyder uh, suggested the other day. But um, I guess that's a that's a debate for another time. In the meantime, thanks for listening. I'm going to be back uh, next week. In fact, uh, next on, on the 12th, next Tuesday, bright and early. In the meantime, you can visit thetimes.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter. We're on all there. Uh, we're all on there. Um, we've got our, our wonderful iPad app. You can download just like a newspaper, except with buttons, graphics, and video, and all kinds of fancy features. Uh, so lots to keep you involved with. Thanks so much for uh, spending your time with us. Uh, enjoy the football. Bye-bye.